Welcome back to Puck University. I'm your host, Tim Williams, joined again this week by Chris Lynch from up in Boston. We are going to have a Beanpot preview for you. We're going to get way into it and really get into the weeds about the Beanpot. But first, we're going to go over the action last week and really touch on a conference we haven't talked much about in the Atlantic. And I think that's a good place to start. Because, Chris, you said you've been watching Kinesius. You got to see them last week. Yeah, I got to see them take on Bentley. It was at the old John A. Ryan Arena in Watertown, or is it referred to by uh, by Bentley, the jar. And uh, I understand why they are looking to move into a brand-new building, because it is an old rink. It is a small local building, and Bentley – is going to be moving into a brand-new, shiny, on-campus facility, and I'm going to be reviewing that building and uh, going to be in the space and be able to talk about it. But uh, I was impressed with the fight that Canisius showed. I mean, they ended up losing 3-2 to two and had two big comebacks late. But uh, I, when it comes time to take a look at Hobie Baker nominees and anyone who could make a run at it, Keep your eyes on Dylan McLaughlin uh, of Canisius because I think he's going to end up being one of those guys who makes a push for it late. He's third in the nation in points with 14 goals and 24 assists for uh, for 38 points on the season. So uh, just as a for a nat- national watch, I'd say keep your eyes on them and. I would say keep out, uh, keep your eyes open for what Canisius ends up doing when I think they will end up winning the Atlantic and making the run in the NCAA tournament this year. They may very well win the Atlantic, but I'm looking at the standings right now, and that is a wide-open conference. It's very interesting at the moment because Canisius and Holy Cross are tied with 26 points atop the conference. Mercyhurst is right behind those two with 24. And then Niagara and Robert Morris have 22. So this is really a wide open group in the Atlantic. Whereas in in recent years, it's kind of been one conference running away with it and then maybe another at their heels. Like last year when Air Force got out to a huge lead early on in the season then Canisius ended up winning the regular season title of course Air Force would win the tur- the Atlantic tournament and go on to the NCAAs where they had a strong showing yeah it's a weird conference to take a look at with, uh, with the standings and even behind Robert Morse the sixth place team in American International College which is in Springfield Mass they're only five points behind Canisius so they're pretty close and it's competitive and entertaining hockey that I think does get uh, get underreported, and I don't think get quite gets the respect that it is deserved. As there are a lot of people who treat it as being, I guess, quote unquote, less than Division One college hockey, and I don't really think that's a fair way to uh, to describe it. I would say that Canisius and Holy Cross can compete with the top teams. I won't circle them as favorites win a national championship or anything, but I do think that these teams, especially at the top in those top three or four, can really compete. And Air Force this season is over 500 for the year. They're 13-11-3 overall and an under 500 year for for the Atlantic, and that was mostly because of a fairly poor start by their standards. 
So I wouldn't even rule out Air Force, especially with how well they performed last year in the NCAA tournament. It's maybe the most interesting conference to take a look at because we spend so little time talking about it. It it is very it's wide open and it's another one of those conferences with a history and its own rivalries and some of these schools have been playing hockey forever. Oh yeah. Uh, so it turns out that... it, there are a lot of smaller schools. So you get a picture of the Atlantic of smaller ranks, kind of buildings a lot like the jar, which has always been tough to play in, by the way, Bentley was, has always been tough at home. It'll be interesting to see what they do in their new arena. Well, it's a small arena. I think it's only about 1,100 or 1,200 people who uh, uh, can actually get a seat in the jar in the in the new building, which they're calling Bentley Arena. And I've seen concept photos for it. I haven't gotten on, on campus yet to see it. But from what I could tell in the concept, it looks beautiful, and it looks like a great arena in which to play. And I'm hoping that the fans turn out, and I'm hoping that uh, – they get a chance to compete because it's already a college hockey saturated place where Bentley is playing. And really the whole state of Massachusetts is highly, highly saturated uh, with, with teams, especially with, uh, within Atlantic hockey, Bentley and Holy Cross American international. That's three more Massachusetts teams. And that's in addition to the ECAC rep, in Harvard and all the hockey East teams in Massachusetts. So I think they're at a little bit of a disadvantage when trying to gain attention because of how tightly bunched this whole market is. I'd agree with that. And then you have Niagara again in that very crowded upstate New York, which has been kind of the epicenter of college hockey this year. Yeah, especially with another saturated area. Yeah, especially with how well, Cornell has been playing, especially with how well Clarkson and Colgate and how well they have competing. I mean, I got to speak with the SID for Canisius, and he told me there's one color you're not allowed to wear here, and that's purple, because Canisius does not like Niagara at all, and those people turn out for those games. So the rivalries are real up there. They're legit. And they hate they hate each other just as much as Ohio State and Michigan hate each other, which is great. We need more things like that. And it's a college hockey team in Buffalo in Canisius. We we often forget that when we're going through our we often we, on this podcast we'll talk about the markets involved in college hockey, and there are a few larger markets that are represented in. Atlantic hockey because you have Buffalo with Canisius, you have Pittsburgh with Robert Morris. So and and that's not, you know, that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. That's pretty that that's some decent areas. Oh yeah. It's good population. It's good uh I mean the Buffalo Sabres, from what I understand, I'd have to check this, but I think they do hold a lot of their practices at the Harbor Center where Canisius plays. So they have a good relationship with the city, a good relationship with the pro team that's right next door. I mean, they have a lot of things that highlight 
in a lot of ways, a good college market. So they have good relationships with everybody, and they ought to be a team that you should follow and really pay attention to. It's just a shame that uh, uh, that the Atlantic really doesn't get the respect it's due because uh, they've got some tremendous players in the previously mentioned Dylan McLaughlin and Holy Cross's Scott Cooley. I mean, they are they are two of the best forwards in the country for what they've accomplished so far this year. And Darian Plouf with Niagara as well. I mean, those guys are all in the top 20 or so of scoring in the NCAA. So I think they've got to get the respect that uh, that uh, they're not really due. It will, it, it will be something to be seen when Canisius or whoever wins that conference ends up in the NCAA tournament. Again, last year, Air Force made a splash of their own. So that's a conference that can do some damage in the tournament and maybe ruin a favorite season. I mean, fairly recently back in 2010, which we are starting to get to a point when 2010 is long ago, but it's still recent enough when RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology, made it all the way to the Frozen Four that year. They got beaten by Wisconsin when they got there, but they beat Denver and New Hampshire in order to get there. And those are two vanguard programs of Western and Eastern hockey, respectively. So this conference has produced teams that are no slouches. So uh, it should be an entertaining ride the rest of the way. And I think Kinesia should be the favorite to come out of the, uh, of the Atlantic right now, but I won't be surprised if, uh, if my favorite, favorite coach, uh, down at Air Force is able to uh, pull some magic out of the hat and make something interesting out of it. But uh, I mean, Canisius, Holy Cross, and uh, and Air Force. I think that uh, I think that Saratori can pull some magic out in Colorado Springs. Still doesn't make a lot of sense why Air Force is in the Atlantic Conference. I I wasn't aware that Colorado was on the uh, Atlantic Ocean, but. So it goes with these with these conference alignments, I guess. And coming up this weekend, Canisius will be hosting Holy Cross, so that's going to be a huge matchup for that conference. Oh yeah, I mean, if I uh, if I weren't building myself up for the bean pot, which we'll talk about later, then that would be the uh, that'd be the matchup to watch. Because at least in the Atlantic, that really is the matchup to pay uh, pay attention to. Though Air Force hosting American International College is also a pretty big deal. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a good time. And I expect that the good people of uh, up, in, up in Buffalo are going to give the Crusaders a nice, warm Buffalo hockey fandom welcome, which is to say that they will boo them relentlessly and cheer for their team, which, you know, that's how you, that's how you treat an incoming opponent when you're a hockey fan. Sounds about right. Yeah, but uh, shame that they don't get quite the shine that they uh, should get playing in upstate New York with just how good Clarkson and Cornell have been this season. Absolutely. We get to some of the bigger premier matchups in the NCHC last weekend. North Dakota and Denver played to a couple of, well, I guess ties, but... They 
they do go to a shootout. I'm trying to figure out who won those in those games. But Denver and North Dakota came away where nothing decisive. They had to go to these to this extra stuff. Uh, and we've made it clear before that we don't like shootouts on uh, on this podcast before, right? Like, I just want to make sure we've made that abundantly clear, right? Yes. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that we're on the same page. And by the way, uh, so Denver won both shootouts in both of these games. So Denver does get two points out of it, which is a pretty big deal for them in the standings. It, it ends up in ties, especially – you got to give Denver a lot of respect for walking out of North Dakota out of one of the great, grand places in all of college sports to play at the Ralph. And they walked out of there without losing a game. That's that's impressive. So yeah, uh, I'd say so, after the hiccups that Denver is now back on track, right? Right back in the um, national championship hunt, and I think that goes almost without saying. They're going to host Minnesota Duluth over the weekend at Magnus Arena. And your number one team in the country is Cornell. About time we got that right. About time we got it right and got Cornell at the top of the rankings. They've got the best winning percentage in the nation. They've got the best record. They've got uh, the best goaltender right now. And I would pencil them in. I really did just pencil them in for going to the Frozen Four this year, I think. They swept a what had been a surging Harvard team at Bright Hawk and Bright Landry. So that's a, that that's, that's a pretty big weekend for a team that, well, they've still, they've only lost two games. Only lost two. And then they immediately after beating Harvard, they drove up to Hanover, New Hampshire and beat Dartmouth at, a, at Thompson arena, which is no easy task to walk in there and beat them. And what's crazy about this stretch that Cornell has been on in their unbeat, they're 8-0-1 since the calendar flipped to 2018, which they have the best record in uh, in college hockey since the new year got underway. And their goaltender, uh, Matt Galeta, has uh, – and by the way, we've been mispronouncing it on the podcast here for a little bit – uh, accidentally calling it Matt Galajda. From what I heard over the weekend in covering this team at Bright Landry, it's Galeda. The J is silent, uh, just as a as a little thing. But yeah, somebody yeah. informed me of that as well this this week. I got a I got a note from a listener saying that we had been getting Galeda's name wrong. So so apologies there. Well, we have we have corrected ourselves, and we can now say even better things about him. Like he had a stretch of three consecutive shutouts before uh, before giving up a goal to Dartmouth on the second night of a uh, of a road of a road stretch. Dude has been outstanding, and I dare say that he really should be the leading candidate for uh, well, at least among the leading candidates for the uh, for the Mike Richter Award when it comes time. I mean. Kylie and Point would be the other two uh, goaltenders in his conference who would give him a run for his money, and then there's Kale Morris out in Notre Dame. But I, I might put my money on Galeda for 
the way that he's played and really powered his team to be one of the best in the nation. So Cornell is amazing right now. Just simply put, they deserve to be the top team in the country. And they're going to be at home this weekend against Union on Friday and Rensselaer on Saturday. So a homecoming for the number one team in the country. They're going to enjoy the home cooking of Ithaca this weekend. As much they should, because they've got, uh, I think that first game against Union will be tough. The Dutchmen have proven to be a hard out in the conference. And this has been a lost season. For uh, well, not well for RPI. They have a brand new coach. I'm thinking of St. Lawrence, who's had a tougher time with NCAC. But uh, RPI is they're transitioning to a new coach and a new way of uh, conducting their business. So I'll give them a little bit of a pass, and I won't I won't be surprised if they play the Big Red tough. But it is so difficult to walk into Lina and win. My father asked, uh, was a Harvard guy, and I think he's. Uh, I'd, he always knows of stories of Cornell being an impossible place to play dating back to the 70s. So that reputation is rock solid and uh, they totally deserve. Not not to say that even within their own conference that Clarkson is a bad team or anything, but Cornell is just on a crazy run right now. Agreed. And the WCHA continues to be a dangerous conference. After, after their surge in the last few weeks, Northern Michigan goes up to Anchorage and sweeps Anchorage. And we've talked about this many times the the brutal travel schedule of that conference. Bowling Green did it. it Bowling Green did uh, great against Lake Superior State sweeping Lake State in Lake Superior State in Taffy Abel Arena. So it's been a great weekend for the WCHA once again. And you know what's crazy about all this? What's really crazy about how well the WCHA has been performing, Mankato is still the top team in the pairwise rankings, and they're third in the uh, in the conference standings right now in the WCHA. If we were to start the tournament right now, Bowling Green and Northern Michigan would be just barely on the outside looking in uh, as as one of the last or one of the first teams out. It's it's kind of incredible to consider just how competitive. And again, this is the other conference, Atlantic being the other one, where. WCHA, ever since the creation of the Big Ten, doesn't really get all the respect that it is due. I'll go on record in saying that I do think some of these teams in the NCHC, while being good hockey teams, like uh, I really think Western Michigan and Miami of Ohio are good hockey teams, but I just think they're overrated programs. It's I, I think they get extra points for the conference they're in, as we see in pretty much every college sport every year, that a couple conferences start to get preferential treatment in these polls, and the NCHC is certainly one of those conferences. Well, this season they certainly are. I mean, I, I would put uh, at least Bowling Green in. I don't know uh, if I would 
go the full way, and I would put both Bowling Green and Northern Michigan in the tournament right now. But those would be – I would at least strongly consider putting both of those two teams in, especially with just how well they've competed throughout, uh, throughout the whole season. So I hope that they continue to impress, and I hope that they can uh, – I hope that Northern handles – their travel well because they're in Alabama this week with a Saturday Sunday matchup, which I think yeah they're the only team. Well, them in Alabama Huntsville are the only two schools playing on Sunday, right before the storm of the Beanpot on uh, on Monday. Yeah, they're there's the only game that's taking place on Sunday, and they're going to be starting at two o seven Central time. So. Wonder who's going to be in the third period of that game, being that that would be about five, six o'clock Eastern by that point. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, man, that's uh, that's going to be some really interesting hockey, and uh, the and the the Saturday game as well is also a two o seven Central Standard Time start. It's an odd scheduling, but. Uh, that's what they've got, and uh, that's what uh, that's what we've got. Bowling Green gets to uh, gets to host Michigan Tech, which they're always a tough out as the defending conference champion. Champions are the Huskies from Tech, and the Mavericks get back to playing uh, in conference games after taking a weekend to play against uh, well a Saturday night to play against the U.S. Under 18 team, and they get to host uh, the Sea Wolves of Anchorage. That's going to be a good time and a good matchup as well. Mankato turns out and supports their guys. I mean, Mankato, they got fans uh, at BU at Aganis Arena for when the Mavericks came down and played here in Boston. So they traveled very well. So their home crowd should be crazy. Yeah, it should be. They're, and they're, they look like one of the best teams in the country when they get going. So... That that conference has it's been through a lot. We talk about it a fair amount. The um, realignment hit that one hard, but they've been eager for a chance to get back. And I'm sure they're all. I'm sure that conference as a whole is just licking their chops at watching it grow a little bit and kind of get back to a little closer to where it was. Yeah, I mean they have three teams at least that are worthy contenders for uh, being in the national tournament and at least one team in Minnesota State that should, even if they don't win the uh, championship outright, they should get a nod as at least an at-large bid coming from the WCHA. If all uh, things work out, then I think they should win that. I would agree. Looking at the... Um... Is there anything else notable from the rest of the weekend you'd like to talk about from last week? Um, BU continues to uh, improve before uh, going into Arizona State, uh, so there's not there's not a ton, honestly, that uh, impresses or or stuns me. I was at the BC Lowell game at home uh, at County Forum on Saturday night, and BC is. They lost the first game on the road at Lowell, but it's the Songus Center. That place is really quite difficult to play. So uh, 
I'll cut them some slack for that. So um, not a ton, honestly. Clarkson had I'll, – I'll note this one thing about uh, the other top team in Eastern Hockey. Clarkson had an interesting weekend in which they hosted Yale and beat them 4-1 to one and then only tied Brown at home. And Sheila Arena can be – Sheila Arena in North Country can be quite difficult. And talking to guys who are uh, with the ECAC – that trip into the far reaches of North Country is without a doubt the hardest weekend trip for any team in the ECAC to make. So the fact that Brown made that trip and went up into Clarkson and got a tie out of that, I'm starting to have some questions about Clarkson after they, at home, had only a tie against Harvard, a 6-6 to tie, and a 2-2 two to two tie against Brown this weekend. I'm just starting to have a few questions about the Golden Knights. Fair enough. Fair enough. They play a game like that. That's They really should be taking care of business at home against a team like Brown. Yeah. So aside from that, it was a fairly quiet, uh, I mean, outside of, me getting revved up and prepped for the bean for the bean pot that's upcoming. Uh, not a lot of actually. We do. I there is one other game that I got to watch that I do need to note. Notre Dame in Minnesota at Mariucci on the first night on Friday on uh, Friday night went into overtime and the Golden Gophers defeated Notre Dame for one of their only Big Ten losses of the season. Is <laughs> I mean, it's another Big Ten team, and all seven of them are really tough this year, but uh, that loss for Notre Dame is the first time where I saw them look even remotely human. But that's the other big game to note, that uh, the the Irish didn't come up with a victory against uh, against the Gophers. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough loss to take, and it's a big win for the Gophers who – are they're starting to look at the pairwise. They're one of those teams that would be right on the periphery. So so they're going to need wins like that as it gets closer. Yeah, they're 11th in the pairwise right now. It really only takes a couple losses. I mean, they lose a couple more games towards the end of this season, and Northern Michigan and Bowling Green, they start to look good. Minnesota is going to get knocked out, especially with – how competitive this whole sport is. I would say, really, there's maybe five or six schools that have already gotten themselves in a lock for the NCAAs, and those are Notre Dame, Cornell, St. Cloud, Clarkson, and Denver, and maybe, maybe kind of Ohio State and or uh, Mankato, depending on how you want to slice it up. But there's 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 only that number of schools that have uh, – that have, in any maybe realistic way, sewn up a spot in the national tournaments. There's a lot of spots open, and there's even more teams who are going to fight for it. And Minnesota is getting towards that part of the season when there's a lot of teams with better records, and they better buckle up if they want to uh, make a push to the national tournament, especially with the Frozen Four this year being in St. Paul. Yeah, it's a wide-open year as the games get bigger and bigger down the stretch. So a lot can happen in these conferences. We've been talking about how weird Hockey East is, but it's starting to look like that's just a symptom of 
a larger disease, the entire country's getting a little weird, except the WCHA, which is having a great year. I, I, you look at even the Atlantic is wide open. The Big Ten's full of schools that are just beating each other up. The NCHC looked unbeatable at times, and now we're starting to take another look at the middle of that conference. It's it's a strange year throughout college hockey. I mean, strange in this case doesn't really mean bad because this has been wildly entertaining. But uh, yeah, at least at least we're taking a look at all this and how how everything is going to shape up because there are a lot of things to shape up before uh, before March comes around. Yeah, this is really where college hockey season heats up, and I think I'll take that as our cue to move into a beanpot preview because the first of the really big events of the of the later college hockey season is going to take place Monday night. It is the ultimate in Super Bowl hangover remedies. It is. <laughs> It, it's so great being a fan of a of a beanpot school because there is no everyone else is looking around the day after that game like well well now we're entering a bit of a lull and I'm like well you might be I've got a couple weeks yeah we've got to rev up because we've got some big time hockey to sort out for for ourselves uh, there's some exciting stuff to uh, to be had for. For Boston hockey, and it's one of the great traditions in all of college sports. Is it's the four teams of Harvard, BC, Northeastern, and BU taking part in a uh, a winner take all matchup. And uh, uh, well, two weekends. It's the first two Mondays of February. I still don't really understand why they chose that to be the uh, the schedule, but it's tradition at this point, and they're never going to change it which means we should uh, stay with it for the entire rest of the way. And this is the most unusual bean pot that, uh, that I've seen in a long while because it's such an unpredictable tournament that we're walking into this year, I think. There's no one clear favorite for uh, how this year should shape up. I, I would agree with that. I'd I'd say it's an extremely strange year for the bean pot. It's a it's a new it none of these teams are where we thought they would be coming into the season, except maybe Northeastern hanging around the tenth spot in the country, currently eleven. But and that might have been an optimistic view of them, but everyone else, it seems like they've taken strange paths. BC had a miserable out-of-conference schedule to start the season, and they've since recovered by playing excellent in Hockey East. BU had a, I just say, out-and-out miserable start to the season with just very little going according to plan, but they seem to have righted the ship to some degree, and they're starting to play their best hockey around now. And Harvard's much the same way. They had a start they were not expecting. They fell quite a bit behind, but they've been picking up the pace lately, although they couldn't get by 
a really tough Cornell team over the weekend. But other than that, they've been playing great as well. So it really is anybody's tournament. And I will use any other excuse to not talk myself into saying phrases like Northeastern should be the favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I'll do it for you because I think Northeastern is pretty clearly the best hockey team walking into this tournament. I think BU is the most talented, but that doesn't really mean anything. It, it, It all depends upon how well you execute how well you skate, or how well you are able to match uh, match the opponent blow for blow. So BC had, as you mentioned, and it's justified in saying this, an absolutely awful out-of-conference schedule. I mean, they are 13-5-0 in Hockey East. Their overall record is 13-10-3, which means out-of-conference. They are 0-5-3 overall. Must be noted, by the way, that one of those ties came against Harvard um, in November. So uh, it was actually the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend, like the day after Thanksgiving when all that was happening. So uh, Northeastern, had it not been for a tie against Providence and or a tie against Merrimack right before the break got underway, they would be in first place in Hockey East. They're just two points behind BC having played the same number of games, and it's those two ties against other good competition that is keeping them just behind BC. So I really do think Northeastern is a better total package hockey team. And were it not for the name on the jersey, we would be penciling them in as the favorites to win this tournament. I think that brings me to my next point, which is what it's like to experience the bean pot as a Northeastern fan. And the best way I can describe it is it's Charlie Brown and the football in that it starts out where, well, they're Northeastern. So immediately we always have our guard up for this tournament. Come the first time anyone mentions it, it becomes just like a pipe dream. And then slowly throughout the season, and especially if they win the first round, you start to talk yourself into it, and you start to find some reason that this year is different, and then it becomes this year, I'm really going to kick the football, and you have to do that for it to hurt, so it has to happen every year. And now here, here, here everyone is here. Here's the, here's Northeastern coming in as a team that really should be looking to win this tournament. And were it not for being Northeastern, this would be as confident as I would be as a fan coming into a bean pot, except that I don't trust confidence coming into the bean pot because it's Northeastern. Mm-hmm. I totally understand. I, I really do. I absolutely understand um, all the fears, all the doubts, all the questions about whether or not Northeastern 
can really pull this off. But taking a look at just the matchups, and if I'm assuming that it's just a one-game season and they have to beat this one team, which let's assume for just right now that right now it is just a one-game season, so who do they have to beat in that one game? Well, they've got Boston College. And how have they done against BC uh, to this point? Well, they're one and one. That first game was at Matthews, and they ended up losing four to one. But that really doesn't explain the uh, sequence of events. It was one of the funkiest bouncing games that I think I've ever seen. I think one of the goals was just an unfortunate bounce that went off of a Northeastern defenseman skate. Uh, one was a fluttering puck that nine times out of ten would have been controlled. And uh, I think you can chalk that up to a game in which there was a bunch of crazy bounces that uh, didn't go in Northeastern's favor. The next time they played at Conti Forum, Northeastern thoroughly smashed BC 5-2. And they were up five to nothing at uh, at a fairly early point in that game, like midway through the second period, up five to nothing. And BC could have made it interesting if Caden Primo hadn't have been outstanding for a good stretch in the late part of the second period, but he was. So Northeastern has done it before this season, and they have the coaching and the goaltending to, just for this one game, get them a victory over a team that they've already beaten at one point this season. I would I would agree with that. I would say that they have at least a push when it comes to goaltending in that matchup. Yeah, I'd agree with that, but they have at least... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, they have at least a push... Caden uh, Primo and Joseph Wall are both high-quality goaltenders. Primo, as a freshman, really has earned his way into being a top uh, top-level goaltender. But on the forward line, I mean, Gaudet and Sakura have been incredible this season. Gaudet still is leading the nation, tied with now Nick Haller at Colorado College for. Uh, overall scoring in the nation. He has 19 goals and 20 assists for 39 points. The point total is tied with Howard, and he's got more goals and fewer assists. But Decora uh, uh, is now seventh in the nation in scoring, tied with David Pope of Omaha. Northeastern has the most firepower in uh, in their lineup, at least in the top six. And Stevens, as the other player and the captain on uh, on this Husky team, is an experienced, wily veteran that can make big plays happen. I mean, the core guys on the forward line and in the defensive core with Jeremy Davies, they've won tournaments before. And this is a team that has been to the NCAA tournament and won out in the Hockey East in 2016. So they're not new to big game pressure. I think this pretty clearly counts as big game pressure for the Huskies. And one thing they can really punish a team for is if they win the penalty battle in a game, if they get the other team, if they can get BC to take some penalties in this game, 
They have one of the best power plays in the country, currently third in power play percentage in the nation and the highest in the East. And that's not just Hockey East. That's highest between Hockey East, ECAC, and the Atlantic. So they're a very potent team with the man advantage. And uh, in that second game against BC, the 5-2 to two victory, four of their goals were on the power play. BC does have a tendency to – they're a young team, and they will make a lot of mistakes. I mean, they played a very ugly, ugly game uh, that second time around. Just in the first period alone, there were seven different penalties called on BC. Granted, one of them was a five-minute major and a game misconduct on the same person, but for official purposes, they're kind of separate. So that's, that's uh, excuse me, six different penalties whistled on uh, on one person. And even their last time out, uh, their last game against Lowell, even though they played very well, they gave up they gave up a lot of power play opportunities to the River Hawks. They didn't capitalize on all of them. But they gave up a lot of clean power play opportunities, and Lowell did score on a couple of those. So I would say that is you're right to point out that uh, they have a clear advantage there, and they do. They really do have a great advantage on the power play, and I think theirs is much stronger than BC. And it must be noted about the Eagles, there are no seniors on this Eagles team. The oldest players are juniors, but there are no seniors on this Eagles team. So there are guys who have helped to win uh, Beanpot in 2016, but it is a very young core uh, that BC has going up against a more veteran, more experienced Huskies team. And I think on the other side, for BC to win, they're going to have to slow the game down because you mentioned how potent Northeastern's top line is with, with Gaudette and Sakura. They can score in a hurry, and if you can slow them down, they're still a tough team, especially with Caden Primo playing as well as he's playing. But that's where they become a little more vulnerable if they're get if they're thrown off their game. So BC has to play well defensively without taking penalties, and like you said, they're a young team, so that's that's going to be their work cut out for them. But Jerry York has been in. Well, basically every situation a coach can be in before. He's coached his team to every single accomplishment you could ever have at this level, and he'll he'll make sure that he has his guys prepared to uh, go out and compete. And I mean, Northeastern cares about this tournament. So does BC. So does Harvard. So does BU. Everybody wants to win this thing, and. Uh, BC will make it tough. They've got uh, they've got size in McPhee and Cotton and Rassenden, but I just don't see the experience you need in order to uh, in order to come out with the victory. And the talent level is good, but if you're going to go off of younger talent, then that talent had better be so completely and totally overwhelming that they can overcome their own experience. And I just haven't seen it with the Eagles. So it'll be an entertaining game. That's a five o'clock puck drop uh, at TD Garden for the first game of the Beanpot on Monday. But I really do think Northeastern should be the favorite against the Eagles in this game. 
I also have issue with it being the five o'clock game. I I I understand that that's not necessarily how these things work, but that that seems to be the um the nationally the larger matchup right now, and 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 it gets the lower billing of the just after work special of five o'clock. Now, granted, if anyone's used to five o'clock games at the Bean Pot, it's Northeastern, but at the same time, it's just just a little perturbing in that I like to just kind of go at it a little bit because really the the eight o'clock game or the two unranked teams. I understand that. I mean, they set that. To be fair, they set the schedule up a while ago when the expectations for BU and Harvard were a lot higher than where they are right now. So. They said it at a different time, and I understand that. I mean, I don't agree with I, – I feel your pain and I feel your sympathy that the BC Northeastern game is actually right now the better game of the two. But it was initially uh, – it, it was set up to be played before then. It was set up with that schedule in mind. So I don't agree with it like you do, but I understand that. I, I, I that's entirely fair to point out that this was yeah. done well beforehand. Of course, it uh, this these schedules are done quite a bit beforehand, so that makes perfect sense. But I I just had to bring it up. Yeah, I understand. I mean, the, it's not like the Harvard BU game is anything of a slouch in terms of talent or anything, but uh, they they are the I think the. I think that BC and Northeastern is a more interesting matchup because uh, I think well, I think Northeastern should be the favorite, and I think if Northeastern makes it into the championship game on uh, on February 12th, if it's Harvard or BU, I really think that uh, Northeastern should be the favorite of those two, and especially if they play Harvard without Ryan Donato because he'll be away at the Olympics. Yeah, that would that would work out pretty well for them, and they played BU very well early on. But I I can't have that conversation beyond those two lines. Understandable. Well, um, and then what do you? I mean, I think BU should be the favorite out of uh, to beat Harvard in uh, in the second game in the eight o'clock game. I guess I'd agree. Right now, they're both in very good form. They, this is an interesting matchup in its own right. I didn't want to dismiss it too much, although although I wish I could, because it, it, these are two teams that are very similar at the moment, and that much was expected of them. They started out a little bit disappointing, but in recent weeks, they've really come back to form, playing their best hockey, and throughout January. So these are two teams running into each other at a good time and it should make for an excellent matchup. I agree with that. I mean, Harvard is having a difficult stretch. Well, this past weekend was not a very good weekend for them because they had the, uh, they had the game against Cornell that they lost, but it was closer than three to nothing. It's just that Cornell had the two individual best players for that game, and Anthony Angelo, who got a hat trick, and Galeta, who made 30-odd saves against Harvard. They got their chances. The second game against Colgate as well, they were pretty close, but Harvard didn't score on their weekend. 
I mean, just think about that. Harvard got shut out for the weekend. Granted, it was against, I think, by a considerable margin, the two best uh, players or the two best goaltenders in the conference. But for uh, for just the shot totals in that Colgate game, Harvard got 51 shots on goal and did not score on Colton Point. 51 shots on goal. Their offense is clicking, but you've got to start thinking about uh, about if you're Harvard, you've got to start thinking about. Uh, I think some frustration's got to be setting in for them. So, uh, if you're a Harvard fan, you're probably hoping that they can carry their annoyance uh, after that weekend into uh, into the bean pot, and that they just keep firing shots on goal, and hopefully some go in on Ottinger. Yeah, if they can, if they can get. If they can pepper Ottinger, then they have at least some kind of a chance. But I think I'd agree with you that that BU comes in with, well, they have that roster. It, it's still there. They still have a lot of talent on that team. And they've been playing closer to the form they were expected lately. Yeah. I mean, Greenway is only going to be here for the first end, for the front end of uh... – of this being pot, and he's, he's not going to play in the second game, but if we're only considering this first game, then Greenway is a magnificent player for his part. Patrick Harper's starting to figure out his role, and uh, he's actually missed the last couple games because he's had the flu. In fact, BU has been hampered the last few games with uh, a lot of players who have been out sick. But they're starting to come back, and I think that uh, they'll be healthy for this their Friday matchup against UMass, which, yeah, this is that weird time right before the bean pot that we've mentioned a couple times where, yeah, they're playing this game, but they're not really thinking about this game as it pertains to winning just this one thing. They're thinking of how they get set for Monday uh, playing in the bean pot. But, uh, um, so that, that Friday is a, a good way to drop some conference points. Yeah. Especially if you're uh, if you're uh, thinking of it from BU's standpoint, just uh, it's a good team. I mean, I would watch for Bobo Carpenter uh, on the wing. I think that's where they're going to end up playing him in uh, in this next stretch. But there's a lot of talent on this team. I mean, even the defensive core with Chad Chris and Dante Fabro. I mean, this is a really talented team that's only starting to put everything together, which is Harvard's worst nightmare because if you can shut down Harvard's top line and make Ryan Donato an ineffective player, then you have a chance of of, uh, of stopping the Crimson Cold. It really is that simple. If you stop Donato, then you can stop them cold. There's a lot of young freshmen on that team who are developing and starting to figure out their roles, but they're not quite there yet. So B doesn't have that issue. They have depth and depth and depth, and they can go to a bunch of different pieces, and they're just now starting to figure everything out. I think we're maybe a week away from Harvard clicking and everything working for them and all of their lines working for them. B is already at that point. I. I have to admit I'm pulling for Harvard in that, but there's a specific reason why. 
and that's one of the one of the most bizarre stats I know of in any sport. That this is now going to be the sixty third bean pod, if I'm not mistaken. Uh sixty sixth. Okay, so I'm quite a bit off there. And in all those years, Harvard and Northeastern have never played against each other in the final of that tournament. Not once. Same four teams every year. You know, it, once every three years, they play each other in the first round, obviously. So that eliminates a bunch of them. But still, we're talking oh for well over 40. Yeah, at least. Uh, it is one of the weirdest stats in all of uh in all of tournament hockey, that uh, that that matchup has never actually happened, but it, it's kind of crazy. But uh, it makes some bit of sense because, I mean, BC and BU for their part have been two of the absolute greatest hockey dynasties over the over that same stretch of time, and they have met a lot for the Beanpot Championship. So I understand it. I, it would be really cool to get to see it, but being truthful, I think the game that uh, I think the game that we're going to get in the championship is BU versus Northeastern. And as a BU fan, I do not feel good about that matchup because we've gotten. Cause I'm going to step out of my reporter hat for a second and just be a fan here. BU, I, I think that's appropriate for the rest of the podcast yeah. at this point. Yeah, because BU has gotten absolutely creamed by Northeastern in the two games that uh, that we have played against uh, against you guys this year. Just we've looked bad in our uh, in our in our two losses, and they're they're not good losses either. They are really quite abhorrently bad losses on back-to-back games. That BU just got undisciplined, didn't play well, and uh, Ottinger got beaten up terribly uh, in those games. So I don't feel that good about BU's odds going up against Northeastern in this year. And I don't say that to make you feel better as a Northeastern fan. I say it because uh, we lost 4-1 to at home at Aganis Arena on November the 4th. We then lost six to one that following Friday on the tenth at Matthews Arena. So I just think Northeastern's a better hockey team this year. I I can't think that in those terms. I I still can't. But I will ask this: as you know, somebody who follows Harvard hockey, your dad is a Harvard guy. How do Harvard fans approach the bean pot? Because I have always wondered that. Yeah, um, I mean, my dad has my dad kind of wears two hats because he has his undergraduate degree from Harvard and he has his law degree from BU and I actually met my mom at BU. So we've if if Harvard's not taking part in the game. Then he does pull for BU because he did also go there too. But if those two were to meet up, then he's a Harvard guy. And he was at the Frozen Four last year and pulled for Harvard. And he followed them all last year because they were a team that 
was competing for a championship. So, um, uh, from their perspective, they get into it just as much as uh, as BC and BU and Northeastern do. Because actually, Harvard really doesn't like BU. They're right. I think uh, geographically, it's the close. It's the shortest distance from one home arena to the other, going from again Serena to Bright Landry. It really is. It's right just down. Uh, just down Storo Drive in order to get to uh, from one to the other. It's even closer between Harvard and BU than it is from BU to BC, believe it or not. So they don't like us very much. They're not particularly fond of BC either, but that's it's really Northeastern that has an issue, Northeastern and BC, BU that really get at the Eagles. So they get into it just as much as we do on uh, on our side of town. I can see that, and for what it's worth, and I can't imagine this really in, influences a lot of hockey fans, but um, Harvard Med School is, of course, right next to Northeastern University. It's, they share, like, people who live off campus on for Northeastern tend to live in Mission Hill, which is also filled with people who work at Brigham and Women's and work at work around Harvard and their their medical school, which is right there in right there along that area. Riverside. Or what I completely forget the name of that T stop. Yeah, that's uh that's near the Riverside T stop. Oh wait, no, that's the end of the E line I'm thinking of. But yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. Same area. I I named the wrong thing. I can't I can't remember what the name of that that is. Like, Longwood. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Longwood Medical Area. Yeah, that that's, but that's not necessarily anything that would influence any hockey fans. It's just Harvard. That that's the weird thing about Harvard. They're kind of for the other three schools that share a conference and hate each other. They're the easy pick for when their team's not playing. It's easy to root for Harvard. Yeah. I mean, they don't particularly like BU. Uh, just, I mean, my dad is an exception to this because he uh, he crossed over to the dark side and went to, uh, to BU for a later point in his life and married another BU person, my mom and his kids. I'm a BU alum, and my brother is uh, in his final semester at Boston University Law School. So we are pretty fully uh, terriers. Actually, my my brother, who had an internship with uh, uh, one of the superior courts uh, in Brighton last year when the beanpot was going on, went in and he said he he got to talking to uh, one of the judges, and uh, they said, "So uh, where do you go to school?" And he says, "I go to BU." And he says. Oh, are you excited for the bean pot that's upcoming? And he said, "Yes, I am." And he relayed that story to me and mentioned that it's great to know that there is this kind of tradition that everybody in the city knows. And really, Boston right now is more excited about the Patriots competing in the Super Bowl, but the bean pot matters. Like people will go and people will fill up the gardens for this thing. So um, it's it's one of those defining traditions in college hockey that is unique to Boston that uh, make that makes it special. If you can watch it, I, I would tell you to watch it because it's some of the best hockey you'll see all year. 
every year. It's been nationally televised in Canada for a little while because TSN has a deal with with the Bean Pot now. So, so any Canadians listening to this, feel free to watch Monday. It's going to be fantastic. And I'll say for my part, when I first went to Northeastern, I wasn't much of a hockey fan. I mean, I liked hockey, but I kind of liked it from afar. It wasn't the first sport I followed. I didn't come from a hockey-loving family or anything like that. So it was just something that was on occasionally, and I'd watch. And then the bean pot happened. And Northeastern, you know, at that point was at one of their lower points for their hockey program. So it was a surprise that they made the final. And I believe they went to overtime that year and hit a post and lost. And I I remember walking away from that thinking, well, I've got to go to a bunch of those games and I can't wait for the next one of those. So in a lot of really the hockey, I love it really started with the bean pot because that's the first place where I really had a, hard rooting interest in hockey. Mm-hmm. I was kind of the same way. I mean, I've always loved watching the Bruins, and I went to a ton of, being from West Hartford, Connecticut, I went to a ton and a half of Hartford Wolfpack games. That's what that's what I grew up going to, and what I grew up knowing hockey to be was, uh, was that stuff. But I always followed, well, I didn't always follow it tightly, but I always knew about BU. I always knew about the bean pot. I always knew that it was a thing. And uh, when I was in high school, BU won a national championship in 2009, and uh, my dad was excited about it and was paying some bit of attention to it. And when I went, my first year uh, at BU was Jack Parker's last. So I went to a bunch of those games and had a, had a great time with it all. Just really had a had an awesome time uh, being into everything and being a uh, uh, being a fan. But uh, it wasn't until my junior year when I filled in from a student broadcast and I got to to the uh, I filled in for because that that was the year when we got a ton of snow and the schedule for the bean pod got all messed up. But I did the first game of the tournament. It was BU against Harvard. It, it went to double overtime. Steve Michael, like the Harvard goaltender, made 63 saves, and BU somehow won 4-3 to three in double overtime, one of the greatest hockey games I've ever seen. And since then, I've been – I went from being an observer and a fan of my school to being a total full-on college hockey lover and fan. This, this tournament is special. While while you're thinking like a fan, anything to say about the the other schools I've mentioned? You you, I I kind of mentioned Harvard. I don't know if you got your chance to get any licks in, but any, anything to say? You've got three schools. If you have any any shots to take. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, uh, I I mean, so. I will leave Northeastern alone because genuinely, as a BU fan, I am straight up terrified of facing them because I know that we are not better than Northeastern this year. 
We are not better than Northeastern this year. And on paper, we should lose to them. So I'm not going to take any unwarranted shots because it would be an upset if BC would have beat Northeastern this year. BC, eh, we could take them. We, we could absolutely take them this year. And Harvard, I fear Ryan Donato. Other than him, I don't fear the rest of that team because uh, it's a good team, but BU has more talent. Outside of Donato, if he weren't going to the Olympics, I would give Ryan Donato my vote for Hobie Baker award winner. Just, I think he's the best player in college hockey this year. But um, if you can neutralize him, then you neutralize the whole game. Otherwise, uh, otherwise you're not beating Harvard at all. But again, I cannot. I, I still am processing the fact that I'm saying this. But Northeastern is the best college hockey team in the nation. Let <laughs> walk that back a second. They're the best team in Hockey East. They're the best team in the tournament. They should be with the top-tier scoring ability. They should be competing for a national championship this year. I will not miss my words. They should be competing and pushing for a national championship this year. I, I would love to see it. <laughs> I totally understand the feeling. At, at a certain rest- point, I just have to let go and just go nuts with it. And I'm sure I will on Monday. And if Northeastern manages to win that early game, I might take a much different tone in this. I I look at BC and all I want to do is make jokes about Boston College and about how long it takes to get there from anywhere that's actually in the city of Boston. And <laughs> how... And how Newton Commonwealth Golf Course is not owned by BC, but it's indicative of everything I dislike about BC because it just, I love golf. And even that, it was just a ruinous experience when I played there. So, you know, I, I don't like the neighborhood BC's in. I don't particularly like the hockey fans I've met from BC. I don't like the way they talk about hockey necessarily. Um, and I wish I could have a lot of confidence coming into this game, but it's the bean pot and we're not allowed confidence yet. So <laughs> tell them how you really feel. It, it, it's I, <laughs> it, I I've mentioned it for a long time. The bean pot is the first thing people who don't follow sports, but are also Northeastern alumni and are friends of mine the first thing they will ask me in a given year because they know what i do is so how did we lose the bean pot this year oh oh i'm so sorry dude i mean i'm 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 i'm, I'm kind of not because i'm a bu guy and that has <laughs> yeah at least half the time it's you <laughs> I am not sorry about any of the years when my team has won. Every time that BC has won, though, truly, my heart is with you. Though, uh, I have to ask this. Who would you rather see? Uh, who, I think I might have asked this before, and it seems like it changes fairly regularly. But who do you dislike more between uh, between uh, BU and BC? Because I get the sense that you really don't like either of them. But at least with... 
how you've talked to me, it seems like you've had a little bit more at least kind of respect or maybe begrudging respect for uh, for the EU. Well, there's professional courtesy. Um, I... <laughs> Fully understood. The real answer is it depends on when you went to Northeastern. It it really does. It, it's it's kind of both equally, but it depends when you were there and whether you're really into hockey because the people that went to Northeastern and are in the doghouse for the bean pot or in my case were in the broadcaster's area for the bean pot a few times it it's the team that gets you the most that you end up hating and it for for my class it was BU they played two different finals when i was a student against Boston University and went to overtime in both of them and lost both of them in just gut-wrenching fashion. And I, I've mentioned before, one of those times came to a person who actually never went to a class at BU, so I refuse to believe he was a BU student because I'm pretty sure students go to class. But... <laughs> Best of luck winning uh, winning gold with Team USA, Chris Bork. But uh, there there should always be an asterisk next to that particular 2005 bean pot. And I remember going back from that one, and I was over 21 at the time, and the other one of the other people on the broadcast was also over 21. So when we finished up up putting the equipment away, we just looked at each other and said, "Punters, punters." <laughs> and went to the 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 home of northeastern hockey's um commiseration Putter, punters pub which is this is going to be the last bean pot for punters pub and i'm i'm just going to throw that out there this beloved you know northeastern hockey fans have all been there it's it all right, fine. On the inside, it basically looks like Moe's Tavern. It's not necessarily a, um, you know, a, a wonderful place with wonderful atmosphere, but it is a wonderful place for Northeastern hockey fans. It's where you go. You walk all the way across campus after a game, and you go to Punter's Pub. And in our case, we took the tea and then walked across campus and went there and just kind of, you know, do what you do when your team gets beat in a way that no one can believe over a couple hours. And right as I was getting ready to leave, a few members of the team showed up and kind of did the same thing. So I, I just had to say that because this is going to be the last one for Punter's Pub. And if there's any more reason that it would be so special for Northeastern to win one, um, they, the bartender there told me at the time, the last time they won one, they danced on the bar. So if, if Jim Madigan and company could dance on the bar one more time, that would, that would be special for, for a lot of reasons. And, um, we'll all miss you punters pub. Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for traditions and uh, things like that, that are unique to a campus. I mean, the dugout pub at BU has a similar history and tradition with uh, uh, with at least the 78 team that the the spot of choice has really turned into uh, <clears throat> excuse me it's really turned into being teased uh, down 
on Commonwealth Avenue, a bit closer to the arena. Uh, dugout's a little bit further away, but it's one of those uh, it's one of those tight settings, and I totally understand it. And I absolutely believe that Northeastern is the best team in this tournament. So I I think they should win. I hope my school wins. We have to get through Harvard in order to get there first, but I really do think uh, that Northeastern is the best hockey team in this tournament this year. Chris Lynch from InsideHockey.com. You'll be at the tournament on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. I will be there. I uh, will be on press row for both games. Uh, The first game coming at 5 o'clock, the second game coming at 8 o'clock. I will be covering those. And actually, I didn't, uh, I'm not doing any college hockey stuff on Friday or Saturday, so it really is gearing up for uh, for the bean pot. All right, well that's that's a pretty relaxed weekend. That should be that should be good with with you know the as busy as you've been. You've been in three places a week, it seems. I'll be busy in other ways. Uh, I'll be busy. Uh, taking care of other jobs but uh for right now i'm i'm going to uh, enjoy i'm i'm writing up a preview of the bean pot and i'm doing college hockey notes just general nationwide college hockey notes and observations from the month of january those should be up in the next day or so on insidehockey.com i want to just give a um some applause to a recent graduate in Brock Besser for having a fantastic all-star weekend. I was, I was in Tampa to cover the NHL all-star game in the weekend and Brock Besser ended up being the star of the show. He won the shooting accuracy competition, which is kind of the, the premier event of the great NHL skills competition on Saturday with the, um, the same day as Gasparilla, so there was a local Tampa crowd dressed as pirates and um, very drunk that was cheering him on, and and then he ends up winning the MVP of that bizarre format All Star Game on Sunday. So, hats off to to rookie Brock Besser, college hockey product, for a for a fantastic All Star weekend, and once again, it just proves that. Year after year, college hockey seems to get an even better caliber of prospect. I mean, it's been it's had a great run lately. Drake Kajula, um, Alexander Kerfoot, Will Butcher. There have been a lot of great players who have had an excellent time, and uh, it it's a great uh, great opportunity to get to enjoy it. So uh, keep. Keep having success. Keep making college hockey look amazing. There's going to be, and there's some great players right now in the NHL who I won't be shocked. Excuse me, in, in college hockey, who I won't be shocked if we see them in next year's All Star Game. Where is next year's All Star Game, by the way? San Jose. Okay, I will not be shocked if we see some people at the SAP Center who we were talking about on this podcast or something of the like in the next few years. Coming up next week, we're going to be, well, we're going to continue to preview the bean pot. We'll have, we'll have finalists. We'll be able to talk a little more about potential finals. We'll talk about the 
various goings on this week in college hockey. There are going to be some big games outside of the bean pot. Sorry for not being able to get to them that much. We're a bit distracted. Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com. How can people follow you on social media? You can follow me at CC Lynch Wall, as in a W-A-L-L, on Twitter. And you can follow me at CC Lynch 16 on uh, the Instagram, or as the Instagram, as, as uh, people actually call it and what its actual name is. And you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Wright Sports and on Instagram at Tim Wright Sports. And at some point, I should actually post things to my Instagram page and make that worth following. So it, it, for anyone who's already done that, sorry, I haven't been more more active on that. And please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend who likes college hockey. There's a place to hear people talk about it. This has been another episode of Puck University. For Chris Lynch, I'm Tim Williams. Everybody keep your head up and your hits clean. Mm-hmm.